came in this morning to hear the early service. They were teaching on some of the points that I will be speaking on. So what a privilege it is, Holy Spirit, to teach and that this word, this seed will fall upon good ground, good soil, and it will bring, back, bring forth a mighty harvest. And everyone said, Amen, Hallelujah. Romans 12, 12, let's look there. Part of this sermon is on discouragement, reasons for, you know, it's amazing how many people are, are dealing with discouragement this time, and we need to build ourselves up in the, in the Lord and cast down all these imaginations and reasonings and know what the Word of God says no matter what. Amen. Like they said this morning, a pastor's job is to teach you the Word of God. And so that's what I'm there here this morning to do. Okay. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. How many are patient in tribulation? You know how patient you are by what comes out of your mouth or your body language or whether you deal with anger or whatever in a situation. You'll know how patient you are by the way you act or react. So rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's look, look up, go one verse. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business. That's a good one right there. Especially in the times that we're in. You know, so many businesses in the natural are going under. That's not God's plan for a believer, I'm going to tell you right now. But we cannot allow ourselves to be slothful. We can't allow ourselves to be slothful in anything we do. Amen? And so, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Never lag in zeal, and in earnest endeavor, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Never lag in zeal, and in earnest endeavor, be aglow and burning with the Spirit. Wow. Serving the Lord. Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints' pursue and practice of hospitality. Wow, that's powerful. Okay. Reasons for discouragement. Number one, struggles in life. Let's look at Numbers 21.4. I have heard so much in the last probably month, constantly, you know, and I'm not saying with this church body, I'm talk, talking about other calls and other people that call, 
they're down and you have to you have to take the word open up the word take the time to share the word with them to build them up I'm talking about other ministers and, and people that should already be built up but they they're seeing things that are discouraging and it's you know I I look at Terry Mize who just lost his wife what did he do he jumped up and went to Mexico he didn't cancel he didn't cancel his trips to Mexico he didn't cancel his trips to Cuba yes he misses her tremendously but he's going on with what God has called him to do he's going on with what God has called him to do you know we can't we can't when things come our way we have a tendency want to want to just sit down and give it up just say I just I just want to take a little time for myself and you can't you've got to keep on keeping on because time is so short amen I know pastor was hooked into a um, Billy Brim on Sea Faith the other day and he called me in there and he said I want you to hear this and it was really powerful and what it what it talked about is when she you know the different times of the blood moon when the blood moon comes what happens and there's one coming up in 2014 or 2015 and it was very interesting and so she was saying she said I'm not proclaiming that this is the time of the Lord but she said that he's coming but she said I wouldn't doubt it at all she said I'm not going to be one that's going to proclaim these things but you need to realize time is short you know everything everything is revealing to us that in the Word of God that time is short we cannot allow ourselves to become discouraged we need to get encouraged you know encourage yourself in the things of God okay 21 4 numbers I couldn't pull him away from his computer that day okay and they journeyed from Mount Or by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient depressed much discouraged because of trials of the way this is what happens okay and they journeyed they journeyed to Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient you need to take notes on this the first thing that happens is you become impatient the second thing that happens is depression starts to come in if you don't stop it at impatience depression will start to come in because the enemy will start telling you it's not going to work you're not going to make it it's not going to happen it's impossible well my bible says nothing's impossible with the god with god the things that are impossible with man are possible with god amen so and then it says depressed much discouraged because of trials of the way so we're all going to go through trials and yet in James it says count it all joy when you encounter divers tests and trials knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience all this is right here was a trying of their faith anytime you look in the Bible and you see a trial it's a trying of their faith so the trying of your faith worketh patience then he goes on to say let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire lacking 
nothing. So when we allow patience to have our perfect work, you will be entire, lacking nothing. I like where Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as, as Dan taught today up here, we talked about Paul shipwrecked, goes over there, tries to build a fire, get a fire going to get warm. Next thing he knows, he's bitten by a poisonous snake and shakes the thing off. And then they think he's a god. Then he has to deal with these people and let them know, I'm not a god. <laughs> you know, I'm not a god. They wanted, to, you know, they wanted to worship him, make him something he wasn't. You know, that to me would be a trial in itself. You're, you're on that island to try to win these people to the Lord. Okay, sometimes different tests and different trials. You know, there's different types of tests and trials that you go through. Okay, so let's look at, um, these were their struggles in life. And let's look at this. It looked like for them, <laughs> let's go up a little bit. Israel vowed a vow, verse 2, to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver this people into our hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened unto Israel. And gave over the Canaanites. And they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And the name of the place was called Homer, a band and devoted thing. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient, depressed, much discouraged because of trials of their way. Here they just have a victory. Let me tell you, this is one thing they taught us in Raymond that you can almost plan on. When you've had a great victory, the enemy's going to come around immediately and try to bring a great, a great depression or, or make something look like it's not going to work out for you. So he's there immediately to steal the word. And that's the word, what the word says, and the sower sows the seed that he's immediately there to try, to try to steal that seed from you, try to get you to give up, try to, find, try to get you to find a defect in someone that you've respected. That's one of his biggest things that he will try to do, is try to get you to find a defect in, in someone in authority. Because he knows if he has that, if he can get you to, to fall into that trap, as we know, this happened in Moses' life. If you see that this, if, if you can get someone to do that and get it started, then he's going to cause you to fall and lose out completely. Okay, so we see that these are the three things. They became impatient. They became impatient. They got depressed. They were much discouraged because of the trials. How many people today are much discouraged because of what's going on in our country. Just walk out there for a while and you'll hear it. Amen. So struggles in life, hardness, nothing seems to change. Well, it is changing. You know, as we confess the word of God and we stand on the word of God and we go out no matter what it looks like, the word of God is working mightily in our behalf. And that's something that we have to remember. You, you cannot, we can't see unless the Lord opens our eyes 
in the spirit realm. And I think at the time that the um, prophet had all the enemy around them and his helper just couldn't get it together. And God, he just finally said, Lord, open this man's eyes so he can see. And there were more of them, of the angels, than there more than were of the enemy. Do you realize that around us there are more of God's angels and more of God's protection around us than there are of the enemy? If we'll just open up our ears in our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to listen to what God has to say. There is more of God around us than there is of the enemy, even though everybody, practically everybody you know or everybody on this earth or whatever, you know, think of it. Noah was just one man building that ark. It never says that his family was in total agreement with him. Anybody ever read that his family? No. Every day he went out there. Every day he did it. How long did it take him? 120 years. I'm 68. I think of 120. I'm like, whoa. That's, that's adding on another life. I can't even imagine myself building this big old ark in 120. You know, I mean, God told him to do it, so he went out and did it. Did he have much ridicule? Every day, every hour of the day, they'd never seen rain. They didn't know what rain was. And yet he just kept on nail after nail being obedient to what God said. Okay, number two. In Nehemiah 4.10, reasons for discouragement, struggles in life was the firstness, hardness, nothing seems to change. The reason why nothing seems to change in a lot of people's lives is because of their big mouths. If they're constantly confessing gloom and doom and agony on me, you know, there's an old song that used to sing, that people used to sing. If they're con constantly confessing this, they see the picture of it in their mind. They see nothing but negative in their mind. What you see in your mind is going to come out of your mouth. Amen. So Nehemiah, or number, what did I say? Nehemiah 410. Let's get down here to these. You know, when we were in Ramah, we had to do the minor prophets and the major prophets and the then they then they really did a good one. They told us one day one day that we were going to have to do a test, and on the test we were going to have to. I think we had to like. They told us if I I could be wrong, but I think they told us on Friday, and on Monday we had the test, and um, we had to write every book of the Bible correctly in order. Trust me. I didn't know every book of the Bible in order. But you better have it done, right? Okay, I'm going to the beginning of my Bible because that is this is not a book that I get in and stay in there very often. So, 642. 
If you have a Bible like mine, it's 642. If I could clean out my Bible and get rid of half the papers, we'd have it made. Okay. Nehemiah. 410. Everything seems too hard. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard people say this lately. Everything seems so hard. Here we go. Remember Nehemiah? He was going to build the walls, rebuild them. Let's look at verse 1. But when Sanibal heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and in great rage, and he ridiculed the Jews. And he said before his brethren in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God who sac with sacrifices? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing that they are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, What they build, if a, fo if a fox climbs upon it, he will break down their stone wall. And Nehemiah prayed, Hear, O God, hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunts upon their own heads and give them a prey in the land of their captivity. You know, this kind of sounds like the days that we're living in right now, quite frankly. Everybody's so negative about what's going on. Here's Nehemiah. He hears that they're... Um, Listen how they come against God. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God with sacrifices? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing that they are burned? This is the kind of garbage that they had to hear over and over and over. Well, what kind of garbage are we hearing over and over and over? He could have just said, oh, forget it. This is just too much. But no, he kept on. He said, I'm going to build this no matter what. So it seemed to be hard. There's a lot of... Every day we, go, we have to deal with things that are hard. Number three. This is a good one. When we see the wicked prosper, like Dan brought out this morning, he was talking to someone that was talking about winning the lottery. It's amazing. Everybody's thought is to win the lottery. <laughs> Ever hurt people? I'm going to win the lottery. So they go waste money on the lottery, but most people that win it, don't have it anymore because they don't know how to deal with it. 
They certainly don't give any of it to God because if you were truly serving God, you wouldn't be putting money into the lottery. There I said it. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> Psalm 73, 2 and 3. But as for me, my feet almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious of the foolish and arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I've got written in my Bible right here that confession can destroy me. I was envious of the foolish and arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Number four. You're going to love this one because I forgot to write the scripture down. Delight, delay in your desires being fulfilled. How many have ever had your desires have, have a delay there. You thought, God, this, is good. This, this needs to take place right now. And you get disturbed. It really bothers you. Sorry, I thought I had the scripture down. Let's look at Genesis 27, 46. You know, the Lord just put this in my mind, and it's true. Right now, they're in heaven building our abode. Have you ever thought about that? Right now, our final dwelling place is being built. It is super abundant above all that we could dare ask or think. Our mind should not even be on here except to journey through this place, getting many saved for Jesus Christ as we can. That's what we're here for. If we weren't, you know, God has a reason and a purpose for us to fulfill on this earth. And number one thing is to win people to the Lord or he would just take us home. Seriously, he would just, you know, you're born again, get them out of there, take them home. But he has plans and purposes that he spoke over us from the very foundation of the world that he expects to see done. And we can't allow these things to get in, in here and hold us back. The enemy's whole plan is to try to push you back. You know, once in a while I'll watch football with Pastor. I don't like it, but I'll watch, you know, I, he's pretty much down to just watching the Bears right now. That's about it. And I'll watch it. I was a, a pom-pom girl. They used to be pom-pom girls, cheerleaders, whatever. And I was, a, I, I was one and didn't understand the game. That was pretty funny. I, understand the, I understood the calls, but I didn't understand the game. I could have cared less. I, I didn't care, but I watch it with him. And, and 
what's the whole deal? You want to get this ball to that end, and you're going to beat each other up to get it over there. I mean, I, I sit there and I watch this and I think, and this is interesting? And then I sit there and I see the beer commercials and we change the commercials. The way we do ours is we tape it first and then we go through. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, I can almost guarantee you that during football season, the beer sales go up tremendously because I know myself, the things I used to do when I would see them, I would crave them. Now I'm gonna tell on Pastor the other day, he, um, he went and had an adjustment on his back and it was really funny. I was, sit, I was sitting here watching him fill out the paperwork but then I'd see him stare over here. And then he'd look at the paperwork and he'd stare and I'm thinking, what is he staring at? There's only one thing my husband stares at and that's the Corvette, okay? I've never seen him stare at another woman and so I look over there, there's a donut shop. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you're gonna laugh because I hadn't picked up a um, decaf latte. There's a donut shop. And he's writing, then he's staring, and he's writing this longing look. I said, what are you looking at? And he goes, that donut shop, I'm gonna tell you right now, when I get done, I'm buying me some donut holes when I get out of here. One of, the, one of the first things the woman told him was diet, proper diet and exercise. And I'm sitting there laughing, and she said, do you exercise? And uh, he goes, well, um, I get in the pool. And I said, yeah, he gets in the pool, and he goes over and stands where the hot water comes out while I'm walking. But he did. He went over and bought 20 donut holes, two or three donuts, and I said, don't buy a donut for me because I'm not eating one. I haven't had a donut in eight years. And he ate them all. I could not believe it. But I could just, I saw this, you know, you could tell when someone's being tempted and they're sitting there. I can say this because he's not here today. But it was hilarious. And he got out and his thing was, well, you got your coffee, so I'm going to go get my donuts. I said, I don't care how many of you, you eat. Be my guest. So weariness in life. He had been really good for about two months, I have to tell you, because there's a place by one of the banks we go to that. Um, there's a donut shop there, and I said, would well, you want some donut holes? No, no. Then all of a sudden, this one just got him. Okay, Genesis 27, 46. If you want to bless pastor, get him donut holes. Okay. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? We all know that her favorite son was Jacob. We know that her other son, East, her other son, had married these women. He had eyes for these women. And she was going to make darn good and sure that Jacob did not have anything to do with them. But look at how, listen to what she says to her husband. I am weary 
of my life because of the daughters of Heth. I mean, I don't even think the guy was looking, from what I could see, I don't think he was even looking at these women. But she was weary. She was expecting him to marry one of the daughters of Heth. She got so concerned about it. These wives of Esau. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these Hittite girls around here, what good will my life be to me? She was already in dismay. This is a perfect example of dismay. She figured that her desires were not going to be. So she, even though God had already told her, the youngest will serve the 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 oldest will serve the youngest, even though God had already told her, she was bound and determined she was going to make it happen. What do you think would have happened had she not made it happen? What do you think God could have done in that whole situation had she not gotten herself involved in that? You know, women can be real conniving. I'm going to tell you right now. You know, I don't think personally these, these two had a good marriage because she wouldn't have been this deceptive. You know, gets him to go out there and get... He puts fur on him. You know, he puts fur on him. His dad feels him. Didn't feel like the other brother. I mean, you get fur from skin. I mean, how many have ever felt a fur from a skin and then felt a hairy man? Weird. <laughs> Job 3.20. This guy must have really been blind. He must have really been out of it. That's all I can tell you. So this is the delay in your desires being fulfilled. So I did have the scriptures. Okay, Job 3.20. Can you imagine... Okay. Then she marries, then she sends him to her relative's house. I believe it was her brother who was a no good. She sends her son there. He works off all these years for the one woman that he wanted, which was not the better of the two. Let's give this whole story out here. She he works he then I don't, you know, I've been drunk in my life, but I've never been this drunk as this guy. His, he marries the wrong one and doesn't even know it. I mean, this is, this is pretty bad. I mean, I'm sorry to say that I've been drunk in my life, but I mean, I'm, you know, he marries the wrong one, doesn't even know it. I, I, who was it that, that shared about that's where Peekaboo came from? He lifted up her... He said, peek, and she said, boo, and it scared him. With uh, Leah, sad, he marries the wrong one. And then he has to work another seven years to get the right one. This guy, what would have happened if the mother would have just left it all alone? You ever wondered, you know? 
This poor son of hers had to struggle through. And then, then the one that he fell in love with and was so great takes her dad's idols. You know, read it. She takes her dad's idols with her. And then the dad comes looking for his idols. And Jacob says, it's, he puts a curse on whoever has these idols. And she ends up dying in childbirth. I mean, think of this, this whole mess out of deception. You know, you want to talk about seed being sown? You see that through this whole story of, of what happens when, when the wrong kind of seed is sown. It keeps coming back on you no matter what. Sad. Okay. Ecclesiastics 2.17. I hope you're learning something today. Go back and read it. I always found that, you know, I do not want a bunch of seed that I sow out there and me going to have to reap it. I know there was a thing one time, and I'm not going to go into it because it's nobody's business, but Pastor and I reaped some bad seed. It wasn't money, but it was some bad seed. And... Um, we paid for it, and we had to really repent and say, God, forgive us for that. Every one of us has reaped bad seed. If you know that you have reaped some bad seed, ask God to forgive you now. Get it under the blood now. Don't let it go another day. Ecclesiastics 2.17. This was years ago when we first were saved. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of the spirit. Boy, oh boy. I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. And a, and a feeding on it. You know, when you read Ecclesiastes, you really wonder what in the world happened to him. Okay. Weariness of life. That was number four. Okay. Now we're going to get into encouragement. We're out of discouragement now. John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, I came. I came to give life and life more abundantly. I came to give life more abundantly. So we need to get that fixed in your mind continually. God has come to give you life and life more abundantly. No matter what, the outcome in his, of his plan for you is life and life more abundantly unless you mess it up so bad that you, you know, I'm going to share a little bit here. I don't like sharing this part, but there was a time years, years, years ago that we quit tithing for a time. And um, I'll never forget the Lord told me, he said, you've quit tithing and I can't move for you. And I said, well, we don't have the money. 
and he said, you have money to go to McDonald's. You have money to do this. You have money to buy clothes. You have money to buy extras and food. I mean, he went down this huge list. I said, yes, sir, you're right. And I had to repent. And he told me, he said, now I'm going to tell you this. It's like a luxury liner. He said, you get on a luxury liner and that thing is not going to turn on a dime. It's going to take a while for it to turn. It will turn, but it's going to take a while for it to turn. So you're going to have to hold fast, keep confessing the word, keep tithing, and it will turn around. There was one other time that he told me, he said, you're not tithing. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, no, you're not. And it was very, it was, this is how God knows exactly how much money you have. If you think he does not know exactly, he said, you're not tithing off your bank account. Well, geez, there wasn't that much in there to tithe off of, but he was right. I went back and straightened that up so fast. He wants it all. Remember, Abraham gave a tenth of everything he had. And you know, the, the, the point that people don't realize about God is God wants, when, when you don't pay your tithes and you borrow on your tithes, it's 20% interest off those tithes. That's heavy. That's, that's a high interest. Sounds like the Carter days. <laughs> you know, that, that's, how, that's how God is. And he knows, remember the woman that gave that, the, the mite? He knew exactly, exactly what she gave, and he knew exactly what everybody else gave in there. It's amazing. Okay, we'll move on. Encouragement. Exodus 14, 13. Moses told the people, fear not, stand still, firm, confident, undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again. What a powerful promise. He says, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Notice what he's telling them to do. He's saying, you will hold your peace and remain at rest. So many people today are not holding their peace and remaining at rest. Okay? That's mighty. That's powerful. Learn from this scripture. The Lord will fight for you. You know, Moses, I'm going to read this again in 13. Moses told the people, fear not. This is in this hour that we live in. This scripture is for us today. And you might, run, might want to write these down. Number one, fear not. Number two, stand still. You remember the scripture that says, Having done all to stand, stand therefore. 
firm and confident, undismayed. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again. Never. And that was it. That's how, you know, people are so concerned about what's going on. When God's had enough, he's had enough. I don't care if he has to part the sea. I don't care how he has to do it. He'll do it. But we have to fear not, stand still, be firm and confident, undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord. You have to believe it. Do you believe if he did it then, he's going to do it now? How much more is he going to do it? Because we have Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Thank God. Isaiah 41, 13. I'm supposed to encourage you today. You know, all these people are running around buying all this food. I'm like, who wants to buy food for 20 years? 20 years worth of food? And then, have you ever looked at it? Some people are um, waiting to go through the tribulation, I guess. Okay. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, I will help you. I will hold your right hand. I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, fear not, I will help you. If God's holding my right hand, what more do I need? Amen? Matthew 9, 2. You gotta walk down the street if your husband wants to hold your right hand, say, no, God's holding that hand. You can have the other one. <laughs> oh, praise you, Jesus. And behold, they brought to him a man paralyzed and and prostrated by illness, lying on a sleeping pad. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man blasphemies, he claims the rights and propagates of God. But Jesus, knowing, seeing their thoughts said, why do you think evil and harbor malice in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted, or to say, get up and walk? But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins and remit the penalty, he said to the paralyzed man, get up, pick up your sleeping pad, and go to your own house. What do you think they thought? That made a believer out of them. Matthew 17, 7. Oh, it's easier for you to say their sins are forgiven. 
I love this one. 17, one, in the six days after this, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And his appearance underwent a change in the presence of his, and his face shone clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, who kept talking with them. Then Peter began to speak with and said to Jesus, Look, this is a good and delightful that we are here. If you approve, I will put up three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was yet speaking, behold, a shining cloud composed of light overshadowed them, and the voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my beloved, whom I have, whom I am and have always been delighted. Listen to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were seized with alarm and struck with fear. I can just see Peter. I'm going to build three boxes here. Just what Jesus wanted. Look how powerful God is. Look, you know, the protection that he's, that he's promising us is so very powerful. There is not room to fear or be afraid. Really, church. Is God greater or is the enemy greater? You know, there's that song, Whose Report Do You Believe? It's actually scripture. We shall believe the report of the Lord. You need, sometimes you need to stop when dismay or whatever tries to get on you and just say, whose report do I believe? I, re, I believe the report of the Lord. I believe the word of the Lord, no matter what. Acts 23, 11. We're getting ready to receive communion. This is the time where we gather together and put God in, in remembrance. Put ourselves and put him in remembrance of what he's done for us. Do you realize that, and I truly believe this, that when we do this, because God is omnipresent, and he's a part of us whenever we meet together. That the power of God is, is right there in your midst, ready to do whatever he can do for you. Think of that this morning when we prepare to receive communion. The power of God is in this house, ready to do for you whatever. Because you've taken the time to remember Jesus. Hallelujah. What did I say? Acts 23, 11. And the same following night, the Lord stood beside Paul and said, Take courage, Paul, for as you have borne faithful witness concerning me at Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And when the daylight came, the Jews formed a plot and bound themselves by an oath, and under the curse, 
neither to eat nor drink till they had done away with Paul. Then there were, now this is how powerful God is, there were more than 40 men of them who formed this conspiracy swearing together this oath and curse. And they went to the chief priests and elders saying, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath and under a curse not to taste any food until we have slain Paul. So now you, along with the council Sanhedrin, give notice to the command, commandant to bring Paul down to you and if you were going to investigate this case more accurately, but we ourselves are ready to slay him before he comes near. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their intended attack, and he went and got, the, got, got into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul, calling one of the centurions, said, Take this young man to the commandment, commandant for he has something to report to him. So he took him and conducted himself to the commandant and said, Paul, the prisoner called me to him and requested me to con conduct this young man to you, for he has something to report to you. The commandant took him by the hand and going aside with him asked privately, what is it that you have to report to me? And he replied, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council Sanhedrin tomorrow as if they were intending to examine him more, accurate, more accurate, exactly. But do not yield to their persuasion, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush awaiting for him, having bound themselves by an oath and under a curse neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him and even now they are already just waiting for the promise, for your promise. The commandment sent the youth away, charging him, do not discuss to anyone that you have given me this information. Then summoning two of the centurions, he said, have 200 footmen ready for the third hour of the night, about 9 p.m., to go as far as Caesarea with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen. Also provide beasts for, for mounts for Paul to ride and bring him in safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter having this message. You have to look at this church and realize God before you, who can be against you? God knows how to protect you. There are so many people in this hour that are that are discouraged about what's going on. God knows exactly how many hair you have on your head. He is your protection. Seven reasons for encouragement. Supplies and famine. It says we're in a famine right now. Supplies and famine, 1 Kings 17, 13. You're not going to have to run out and buy them all either. My Bible says that they gave, they had quail and manna. You know, a lot of people have stockpiles in their garages and things of food. 
give them out. What are the stockpiles for? You know, food does go old after a while. <laughs> you know? Okay, 1 Kings 17, 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after that, after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying and Elijah, as of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. Hallelujah. They had food, and it continued and continued and continued. Expect this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8 through 15. We heard this one this morning. Couldn't believe when I came in and heard what was being taught this morning. Oh, I believe it. Let each one of you give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things. Listen to that. Prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in his giving. Wow. Let's look at this a minute. He's not reluctant or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a joyful or a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. It's coming to you in abundance. I'm saying this. It's coming to you in abundance. As I speak, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is coming to you in abundance. God does not, he's not cheap. He is a giver of abundance. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. So I speak over this congregation today, both here and in Oregon. The blessings, the finances are coming to you in abundance. Right now, angels, go forth, gather it up, and bring it. Bring it to us in abundance. The Word of God says it's coming to us in abundance, and it is. It's coming to us in abundance. I can't quit saying this. It's coming to us in abundance. I want you to say this with me if you believe it. It's coming to me in abundance. 
Let's say it. It's coming to me in abundance. I want you to see it coming. It's coming to me in abundance. It's coming to me in abundance. I see a cloud and it's just coming in. It, the Bible says it will come in on every wave. Every wave it'll come in. It's coming to me in abundance. Just keep saying it. It's coming to me in abundance. Hallelujah. It says, Come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever you need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Hallelujah. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's coming to you in abundance. Above all that you could dare, ask, think, or pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad, verse 9, and he gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. His kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Hallelujah. And God will provide seed for the sower. It's coming in abundance and he's providing seed for the sower. There's so much abundance coming. The seed for the sower and bread for the eating. And will also provide and multiply your resources. Now listen to this. It's coming to you in abundance. He is also, listen to this, providing and multiplying your resources for sowing and increase and the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in an active goodness, kindness, and charity. Hallelujah. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous. And your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. It is coming to you in abundance. I'm preaching myself happy. Say that. It's coming to me in abundance. I want you to see this inside of you. It's coming to me in abundance. Glory to God. If you don't speak it out, then someone else is going to get yours. I'll just tell you right now. You can sit there and say, I'm not going to say it, whatever, but I'm not quitting until the Lord tells me to stop. Okay? So you may as well, unless you want to leave right now, I'm going to say this until God tells me to stop. Because the power of God, the angels are out there working and bringing it in right now. Hallelujah. It's coming to me in abundance. It's coming to this church in abundance. Hallelujah. It's coming to us in abundance. When you think of abundance, what do you think of? I think of more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He is more than enough. He's more than enough. More than enough. Praise you, Jesus. He is more. There, there, isn't, there is no limitation to what God has. 
There's not a, there is not a, there is no limitation. There's no limitation at all in the abundance that's coming to you. But you have to believe it. You have to confess it. You have to, you have to sow seeds. You have to see it done in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Father. I don't care what anybody says out there. My Bible says that, that, that God is causing this, and God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you and me in abundance. Hallelujah. So that you may always, and under all circumstances, and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, no support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. People's houses are being paid off. It's coming to you in abundance. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. As it is written, He, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolent will go on and endure forever. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for the eating will also provide and multiply your resources. He is multiplying your resources. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whatever your resources are, he is multiplying them. Allow your mind to start working and begin to stretch out yourself in the spirit realm right now. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let your mind go out. Let, let your mind and the spirit go out and reach out. There is no end to this. I'm telling you, there's no end to, to what God has. None. 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 You know, our government by, might be writing checks out where there's no money, but God has the abundance. Hallelujah. God has it. God owns everything. It's his. Praise you, Father. He can move it from here over to you. Hallelujah. But you've got to let your, I mean, this thing on resources, this is powerful when you let your mind stretch forth in the spirit and allow God by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to stretch yourself out over the, with the word of God, allow the Holy Spirit to rise up big within you, pray in the Holy Ghost over things, and he will begin to reveal to you his abundance, his greatness, his goodness. There is more than enough. He's El Shaddai. El Shaddai is more than enough. More, not just enough, but more than enough. God thinks in, I want to give more. More to you. More, more, more. He'll open up the heavens and pour out where there's not enough room to contain it. That's how God thinks. So one more time with me. He's coming to me in abundance. Say it loud. He's coming to me in abundance. Hallelujah. You Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God is good. He is faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful. 
Thank you, Father. He is faithful. He is faithful. <laughs> you can deny him. You can cut him off if you want, if you, if you want but he's coming to me and my household Amen. in abundance. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. I, I mean, get your, get your mind on it. Close your eyes and see it coming at you. I mean, it's coming. It is coming. It's yours. It's already yours. It has your name on it. It already has your name on it. And it's coming to you in abundance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Should make you happy. Talks about happy, hilarious, cheerful givers. Hallelujah. That are generous. That are generous. The pastor drives a car that said, see for me. How many of you gave in that? It's coming to you in abundance. Amen. Hallelujah. It's written right on the car. You should go out and slap it. No, man, not too hard. But put your hand on it and say, it's coming to me in abundance. I sowed seed. It's coming to me in abundance. Glory to God. That is a, a tangible, a tangible card that you could touch, that you could feel, that you could see, that has caused your seed to grow. It has to come. Praise you, Father. How many remember that time Pastor had you write out those checks? How many still have your checks? You should have those hung up. Some, take, take copies of them and hang them up all over the... The house, it's coming to me in abundance. Start proclaiming it. Confession brings possession. Amen. The things impossible with man are possible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. He said it here. It's coming to you in abundance. Amen. I could preach myself happy. Now we're going to seal it with a communion table. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus overcame Satan by the blood, his blood, his blood, and the word of his testimony. His blood and his body, he overcame the enemy. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. The wealth of the unjust is laid up for the just church. It's starting to shake, too. <laughs> it's starting to shake and move. The shaking and the moving is going on. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I don't know, but I could just, Laurel and I could probably just fall over laughing. If you saw what I saw, you, you've got, you have got to let yourself go in the things of the Spirit with God. You cannot be constipated in that area. You have got to let your mind, your will, your emotions be free in the things of God, in the, in the spirit of God, to where he can show you what he has for you. So you can reach out and grab it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I can't tell you how important it is to, in this hour that we live in to be in the Word, in prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, I stay up at night into the wee hours of the morning so I can have that time with the Lord and just sit back and just allow. You know, there is no limitation, none, 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 none with God. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Well, I hope that all of you got ministered to today. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's coming to me in abundance. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just start praising him for it. Too many people don't praise God enough. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. We just praise you, God, for the abundance, for the abundance that you've promised us. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Some of this. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, doom, and the law, and its condemnation by himself, becoming a curse for us, for it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree and is crucified. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessings promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we, through faith, might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go ahead and prepare. Dan, do you want to come up and do communion? I think everybody's going to go ahead and come on up and get their own, okay? You ready for that? I'll let, I felt earlier to have you do that, so. Praise you, Jesus. So this is the way we're going to do it. He's going to share, and then um, each one of us is going to get our emblems. I'll have Dan bring me mine. And um, go back to your chair and just spend time in the Lord. Think over what we have said, because this is all given to us because of Jesus. And we're, we're to put ourselves in remembrance of what he did. What did he do? He died for me. He went to hell for me. He paid the price for me. He, he paid everything. Where can I put this? Everything that the enemy had taken, he took back and gave back to us. I want you to think about the children of Israel when they left Egypt. There wasn't one. Number one, they went and borrowed all the silver and gold from their enemies. And there wasn't one feeble amongst them. They walked out of there completely loaded, wealthy. They had all of it. And they, they walked out free. So come on up now. Heather, pick uh, something that is really powerful, okay?
always read First Corinthians about that. But I want to read something a little different. In Isaiah 53, it, it's uh, the story of, you know, before it ever even happened, what the Lord went through and why he did it. And that's really what we're to be remembering when we're receiving the emblems. And so, you know, the first question that Isaiah asked in Isaiah 53 was, who's believed our report? Who acknowledged, who believes, um, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Uh, for he shall grow up like a tender plant, a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. When we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He was just like us. He is just exactly like, like us. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Yet surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. Uh, we did esteem him as stricken, we esteemed him as smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You know, the stripes that uh, Jesus bore, you know, we see it on the bread. And his body was broken. You know, think about when, when he went through the scourging. He was tied to a post and he was whipped and beaten beyond recognition. And the blood that was poured out, you know, and then he carried his cross. And he went up on the hill and gave his life. You know, uh, Jesus was quoted in the Gospels as saying, a greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. You know, we're the friends of God. And Jesus laid down his life for us. You know, he went up on the cross. God was with him. And then at a certain point, the Spirit of God, the presence of God was taken from him. And that was where all of the sin, what Isaiah calls all of our iniquities, was laid upon him. That's where the chastisement of the peace that we can walk in now was laid upon him. Torment came. Every demon in hell, I believe, gathered at the cross. Every demon in hell was there mocking him, tormenting him. The people that Jesus was laying his life down for to save were mocking him, jeering him, saying, you, you said you were going to raise up the temple. Well, raise him up. If you're God, then come down off the cross. They were casting forth all this doubt, all this unbelief. And yet there was his mother looking upon him. All of the disciples, thousands of disciples had been around him. And yet when he began to share what he was going to do, they all dispersed. The twelve, there's only one left. The strongest of the disciples, the most vocal of the disciples was Peter. And yet he denied him three times the night that he was taken. So he's completely alone, but he's always had God with him. And at this point, God has pulled away from him. And he says, my God, my God, why, is you, why have you forsaken me? He's completely and totally left alone. And so as you receive your emblems, think of the blood that he shed for you. Think of the body that was broken for you. But know that the body is now us. We're the body of Christ. Amen. Father, as we uh, prepare mentally and physically, Father God, to receive the emblems uh, of this communion, Father, I just thank you that uh, you will remind us 
as we reflect on the goodness of God, the, the purchased redemption that we have through the broken body of the Lord Jesus, um, the freedom and, and forgiveness that we have by the blood. I just thank you and praise you, Father God, that as we reflect on these things, we do so in remembrance of Jesus, in remembrance of all the things that were accomplished. And we thank you and praise you, Father God, for acceptance in the, in the kingdom of heaven, in the throne room of heaven. And we thank you for the blessings and the benefits that flow freely from you to us by the blood of Jesus. Amen.